This podcast was recorded pre-COVID at the base of the Canadian Rockies in Banff, Canada with Paul Meehan, creator, owner, and brand manager of Neutral Vodka Soda. Well, right after a little company named Anheuser-Busch acquired him, you can hear the pep in Paul's step during this cult brand podcast. Enjoy this symphony talent joint, Smashfly X style. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Woo, it is beautiful here. What's up, Snow Bunnies? It's the Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is just I'm your gorgeous. co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And this is Chad. I'm mad I'm not skiing so wash. And we are uh, recording today from Banff, Canada at the Cult Gathering event, the number one marketing conference in the world. And what better first interview for us to have... Oh, the first. Jeez. Sorry. ...at the event <laughs> than... The founder of a distillery here in Canada. I can't yes! think of any better guest. Yes. So please welcome Paul Meehan. Paul is the president and founder at Goodridge and Williams. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. I'm completely honored to be in a bar uh, on day one, uh, just post noon, chatting with you guys. <laughs> strong start. Strong start. It's a strong start. By the way, we get we get introduced a lot at this conference. Yeah. I'm going to come out swinging here a little bit. Uh, your LinkedIn resume says you did some time at Guinness Canada. I sure did. Yeah, yeah. So Tell me about that. So is it that. true that the Guinness really is better at the source in Ireland? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you a quick story. So when I was a younger man, um, I was in sales and I was at Guinness. And one of the first things I had to do was go out to all my accounts and tell them that the price of Guinness was going up $20 a keg. And uh, I'm not going to swear on your podcast. I'm not allowed. No, right? yeah, okay. yeah, that's okay. explicit. Okay, okay, okay good. So most people are like, what, who the fuck are you and why are you doing this? <laughs> and when and was I, this? It was about 20 years ago. Okay. 20, well, 25 years ago probably. No, no, it's about, about 20. This will answer the question at some point though. But 24 years ago. So the price was going up $20 a keg. And the reason why was the average age of a keg um, was about, it could be anywhere from three months to nine months old. And my bosses, smarter people than I, um, than me, uh, said, well, let's do this. Let's bring the frequency of uh, orders up and the shipment size down so the beer is fresher. And the main reason the beer wasn't as good in Canada and the USA at the time was it could have been... Fresh. Yeah, it, it wasn't fresh. Yeah. Freshness, yeah. It wasn't guaranteed to be fresh. Right. And also wasn't on draft gas. So, so what we did is we went around, and this is when I remember people used to say to me, Paul, no one's going to spend six bucks for a pint of Guinness, which is hilarious because a pint of Guinness could be 15 <laughs> bucks at this hotel. Yeah. But, uh, um, but people want to have good things. So, uh, and I said, just charge another dollar. Charge more and end up being, it's kind of the beginning of premiumization of, of beer. Uh-huh. But to answer your question and more succinctly, it's the same beer. It's just, um, it's fresher. When I've actually had it in uh, uh, Brazenhead in uh, Dublin, which is uh, like literally, the, the rumor is there's a hard pipe from the, the brewery <laughs> to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> they, they physically could have one. I, I don't know if it's fact, but it certainly tasted like it. So yeah. Yeah. freshness, we need freshness. We were lucky things. enough to be in Ireland together, not the entire time, for a week, and we did nothing but drink Guinness pretty much the entire time we were there. It was delicious. It did taste different. It was totally fresh. And little to no hangover. Yeah, which, and that was the big. I, I don't mean, know if that was just you know. What was that about? That's just good living. That's just good luck. <laughs> I think that's good things happen to good people. I um, I'll tell you, there's two different stories. 
stories about that. Well, I'll just tell you the most boring one. The um, Again, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. I, I grow from two directions, my face down and my belly out. <laughs> but um, when I was working at Guinness, I was always remarking how many pints I could put down and not put on weight, but nobody noticed. I didn't really have a lot of mirrors around the house. But I did go to Dublin on a trip once, and I came back eight pounds heavier. Oh, and damn. Now, that is not to do with the Guinness so much as have to do with all the various foods and the lack oh, of sleep. Yeah. But Guinness, a uh, pint of Guinness has got 191 calories in it. So whereas a, like a pint of a light beer would have pretty much the same. It's 4.1% alcohol, so it's it's not any worse for you than um, than like a, like a Bud Light or something like that. Very thirsty all of us. So, so yeah, what? we should actually have pints here. We, we should, probably, yeah. I can make that happen. Hello, very powerful bartender. Um, so, so why break out and, and start your own thing? Why, what, was the, what was the whole reason behind that? What was in your brain to say, I got to do this? Well, you only have a couple minutes in the podcast here, but I must, I've been in the industry for a long time. And uh, um, I'm glad you, you pulled out that. For me, I'm very proud of my time at uh, Guinness, which is um, something I, I, I think of often, lessons learned there. But I actually... Um, post that, I, I worked for another, another, many other companies, Mark Anthony Group, which is uh, a Canadian business here. Uh, it's actually now around the world. And I worked at Sleeman, and, uh, which is the third largest brewery in Canada. But I, what I figured out at one point was that I was, what I was best at was the, the, the brand marketing part of it. And everything else is babysitting. And my wife will tell you, any employee who I've worked with will tell you I'm not a great people manager. It's not that I don't like people. I still don't really want to listen to them tons. <laughs> you know, they, they, they have all sorts of needs and demands. So many needs and excuses. Business would be great except for the people. Well, you know, I have three kids. I, I'm legally, you know, required to take care of them. Everybody else, <laughs> uh, I don't need to. Um, but uh, so anyways, long story short, I um, I figured out that I could do the best parts of my job and um, in the structural strategic side. So I opened up a company, an, an agency about uh, 14 years ago called Me and Ideas. And we've done work for, you name it, tons of different businesses with a heavy bias towards beverage alcohol. We did all the, the marketing for the world for SAB Miller's um, uh, flagship brand, Miller, Genuine Draft, yeah. Miller High Life, and Miller oh, Light. Shit. So I've been all around the world selling uh, American beer. So that's a Canadian selling American beer around the world. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm, yeah. I'm, so I want to dig into that a little bit. Your, your background is marketing. And so when you started your own distillery, was it you just had a passion for liquor and wanted to make it? Sure. Or did you have a passion for making liquor and then creating a brand that would then t- you know, stand the test of time, or in this case, be bought by Anheuser-Busch. There had to be a market gap. Uh, well, the, the gap was more based around my... Well, let's go back to the original point about me doing things, my, my strength doing business plans and brand plans yeah. and, and structural stuff and creative and like not the human side of it. I joke, but I'm serious. I, I enjoy looking at brands, seeing what their opportunities, what, the, what gaps exist on the brand side, for sure. Uh-huh. But to answer your question, though, uh, geez, on, on, on a macro level, what it was was... Um, that 14 years ago, I was either going to open up a, a craft distillery or an agency. <laughs> and, and the reality is the CapEx is a lot cheaper between my ears than it is on the equipment side. So um, I opened up, uh, and we actually end up, the agency to this day is a pretty good size agency. At one point, it was uh, 60 employees. So uh, now it's a little, little less than that But the because um, the focus is more on the distillery. But I... Um, an opportunity came up to create some brands. So I created brands before I had the distillery and the place where we actually made the distil- made the brands uh, came for sale and I bought it. My wife and I had a discussion. It was about two minutes long. She said, absolutely, let's buy that. So Do that, it. that was a fairly nascent um, space. So you made an acquisition. I made an acquisition. got you off, yeah. off and running. Sure and then did, the yeah. brands came sort of after that. Yeah, one came in and then we, we bought some with the business and we killed two or three of them and then we built some new ones, yeah. So you're, you're on the sales side, you're on the marketing brand side. What, I mean, when it comes to being here, what actually makes your product a cult brand product? Why, why did, how did it get there? 
among the among there are many brands within my my business, but the big one is called Neutral Vodka Soda. And um, speaking of gaps and 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 opportunities. Um, we are all social people. We all drink beer and wine and whatnot. But there really wasn't a product in the market that met the need of the person who didn't want to have anything too heavy. And light beer is still full of carbs and calories, and you know, light wines are still full of sugars. And and uh, we needed to create something that had a really nice kind of very social, very easy drinking, very um, uh, non bloating. You name it on the positive side and the drink side. Plus, had a premium feel good kind of replicated a lot of the kind of things premium beer did. So um, my wife and I were in um, Whistler. We go to Whistler every weekend. And post the third child, we said, you know, we t- you want to be social. You want to have a good time, but you don't want to feel all heavy. So we, um, we already had the vodka brand. We said, well, let's, let's start drinking vodka sodas. The average vodka soda in Canada has an ounce of alcohol in it. And the United States has about, in the land of the free poor, I don't know, two ounces. Like most vodka sodas <laughs> in the USA are like, oh, yeah, they're they're there's a fight in every every glass, right? Like there, there's just too much vodka. So we made it to the point where it actually had the 5% level and um, also in a taller serving, so in a standard beer can. So we used a standard can, 5%, and very much like the same system that Perrier uses for their um, for their fruits, uh, vapor distillation. So an all natural, three ingredient, no preservatives, no chemicals, no pasteurization, very, very light products. And by the way, we're sponsoring the uh, reception tonight. So let's make sure we put the mics down, drinks up in a bit, and you, you let me know what you think of it. You got but it. We started with all the citrus brands, and uh, we have a portfolio of brands now that cross the range, and, and uh, they've grown to be over 65% of the vodka soda category, which it wasn't even a category three years ago. So it, now it's a category. It's called seltzer as well, but seltzer is a bit more of a U.S. term. For, it's trending, for yeah, sure. But, but seltzer means, like, in the U.S. means bubbly water, right? And most Pretty of much, the seltzers yeah. in, in the U.S.A. also have malt spirit or sugar spirit. Mm-hmm. We actually use vodka because we're distillers. Well, there's it's saying something when Bud Light, which I think is the worst brand for a seltzer. Yeah, I can't, I'm not legally allowed to agree with that right now. But, uh, Guinness seltzer might be worse. I, mean, I, I, I agree. Guinness seltzer would be more. Camus <laughs> seltzer may be a bad one. So, yeah. Louis 13 seltzer might be a bad one, yeah. So you, you, you don't like people, uh, or at least I love managing people. people so. I just find them draining. He loves drinking with people. Maybe. You guys are killing me. Being a podcast dedicated to uh, acquiring talent and I love finding people. talent. I tease, I tease. <laughs> so you, you, you make this acquisition of the distillery. I assume you, you had employees up and running, mm-hmm. right? You had oh, yeah. all those pieces in place. So was talk about that transition phase um, how did you get them to sort of believe in the new brand and vision? The new was there a new mission of the company? And as you built a brand, did you find that finding talent or incoming talent became better and more frequent because you were building that consumer brand? Yeah, we'll go. I'll start with the end of your question there. Yeah, like it's we built a, a bright shiny thing from something that could have been a bright shiny thing. So there's some polish involved, and there's also some funny new knobs and whistles to add. So we added some new series of brands, and we had attracted a lot of great people. When I bought the distillery, it was a business that had literally no line items for sales or marketing. It was all the the, the, the feeling with the previous owner was that, you know, feel the dreams I used to call him. Great guy, but he'd be like, build it and they will come. So on the human side, you know, amazing technical team, but literally no sales and marketing. So we attracted a lot of great sales and marketing people. Um, and funny, one of the things we did on our business, we actually hired, we had sales reps and most people go with distributors. We had our own people across Canada, uh, we, you know, a whole bunch of branded vehicles and a whole bunch of sales people and marketing people, excuse me. So we, we attracted a lot of humans. And one of the reasons why we were attractive is uh, most people, funny enough, didn't know how big we were. They knew by volume, but then they found out, wow, you guys did this with like 20 people. But um, 
we, we certainly took on the world with the, the humans were the biggest part and we, had, we created a culture of, uh, as we jokingly said, post-acquisition that our Kool-Aid was pretty good because uh, it's hard for people to put down our Kool-Aid. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. Building a cult brand is not easy, which is why you need friends like Rupesh Nair. To become cult brands, companies need to build from the inside out. How can messaging and technology facilitate that type of growth? It's easy to kind of build a so-called employer brand in paper and say, hey, this is my EVP and these are my pillars of EVP, but it is much more difficult to activate it internally. And ensuring that as you build your EVP, that activation is top of your mind. I've seen a lot of organizations build these awesome EVPs, which stands for who they are, but then not necessarily using that effectively internally. And some of, some, some of the times it's because the EVP is not created in a very genuine way. Then obviously it will not stand the test of that internal activation. And hence you need to ensure that your EVP is credible and aspirational as you think about the future. But at the same time, Spending that time to ensure that every persona in your company understands what your differentiation is, what do you stand for as a company, and why is it relevant to that particular individual in that particular role is very important as you basically ensure that you're building that culture or value value proposition inside out. Then it's easy to activate it because then you can use your own employees to really activate your EEP and your brand uh, as you think about external activation. Let Smashfly help activate your brand and keep relationships at the heart of your CRM. For more information, visit smashfly.com. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. And do you remember how you found those sort of uh, initial sales and marketing folks? It literally, most of the people in the early days were people who we knew from the industry who uh, were kind of poaching. They were full on stars. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, we, we we ripped off as many best, you know, and we also paid about one twenty, one thirty index. And we also uh, had cooler cars, whereas most so you would have like a bribe, bribe. Oh, basically. for sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, Bright, it's all, shiny toys, right? All, all the perks of, of of working, right? So, what about purpose? What about the things that we hear about here? What 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 made you different in that way than all the other breweries or brands that were out well, there? Well, yeah, it's funny that uh, purpose is actually one of the main topics of uh, my talk later on today. But like, what do you want to do? So, I mean, look for, for what what someone wants to do for their life can can it fit within what we want to do as a company we were very much about alignment so we'd like to win we'd like to grow and nobody in our business had like a major like love of money or or overt success is more like the success of doing things right and that sounds trite but it's totally true like we had a you know a cult like uh, um mentality in terms of this our way our way is right but we're also able to improve so non-apologetic yeah just direct it's right yeah. at it kind of canadian american type style I was gonna you say know? very yeah very yeah 
because Canadians are nice. Americans, depending on what coast you are, not so nice, yeah. more direct. Well, I love all my our brothers and sisters. Like, <laughs> my Canadian wife says Canadians aren't nice. They're optimistic. And there's a difference. <laughs> I say Canadians can't not, not always nice, but always polite. So you, you've you've bought in. Uh, you're five six years into it. You've sort of mentally said we're not interested in selling. We're not flipping this business. But then a, a big company called Anheuser Busch comes along. Walk us through how that went down and, and how the sale actually happened. We, well, they were actually the last company to come approach us of all the big companies and mid-sized companies and venture capital people. As I mentioned before, we had the folded pieces of paper across the table. We had some mafia phone calls late at night, some deep throat. <laughs> offer you can't refuse. We make you can't refuse. Oh, yeah. There's horse heads. You name it. But, um, <laughs> moose it, heads. Exactly. Oh, moose heads. That would have been better. Oh, <laughs> the mojo just always missed. Too late. It was the, um, uh, the people from ABI, uh, Labatt here, were just unbelievably cool. And, and um, overall, they wanted to – they loved the Kool-Aid we'd made. You know, and they loved what – what they saw. I love that you results. call it Kool-Aid. Yeah, for sure. They, uh, they, they wanted to um, see how we could you know, add value to their business, not just on our volume or profile, but our personalities and our humans. And, and uh, post-transaction, um, everybody stayed and everyone got promotions and raises and like, it's always bright and shiny. It was, it was, it was really cool and respectful. So um, the president of that company is a guy named Kyle Norrington, who's a very inspiring guy. He's the president of Labatt Canada. And he, um, he he was you could tell he wanted to be part of, of what we had and and wanted our, our our brands and our personalities and our perspective to be part of his business and we felt the same way so it was legitimately like a good fit man but uh, it is funny because the the intention was never that was never the plan so so when it comes to when it comes to branding it comes to attraction I mean in many cases uh, at at this event you know we're talking mostly on the consumer side right the way that we see the world is yes consumer side's huge but you need that talent so the attraction on the talent side is is big as well which means brand is incredibly big that purpose is big how do you differentiate or do you differentiate between the attraction of really customers and candidates I think that everyone wants to win. It's like sports, right? Everyone wants to be part of a cool team. Now, um, necessarily would, now that these guys are part of a bigger, are they part of a bigger league because they're part of a more funded team? Not necessarily. It's a, it's a kind of, it's a, it's, it's an interesting kind of uh, thing to discuss because everyone who we attracted wanted to be, to almost take them on, right? And take on this, but this faceless thing. And it, it was interesting in the last couple of weeks, we're like, well, well, who do we take on now? Like, and uh, I think people do, good people gravitate towards, um, um, a, a, not only their own self-directed prize, but but like macro ones as well, like you know, pur purpose-driven ones. And um, so there have been some challenges in that. But what we want to do is make sure that that, that everything we do on the consumer-oriented stuff and everything on the internal uh, candidate side is the same. Is like make it as bright and shiny and cool and momentum-oriented, and and hopefully people want to perpetuate that. And we have we have consumers who feel like they are part of us all. So we get pitched by consumers for various uh, sponsorships, which is a great. You know, amorphous term like what do you mean by that and also just involvement because they want to be part of it they want to it's like velcro right it's a, it hooks and eyes they want to be part of it yeah one of our favorite guests on the show is uh, douglas atkin who was uh sort of head of culture uh at airbnb and one of the quotes that he had to the founders or one of the co-founders that we love is the minute you bring hr into this thing the culture's <laughs> fucked so i'm curious when you took over the con co the company 
was there an HR department? Um, did you eventually put one in? Um, who was doing the recruiting? Like, talk about, I guess, some of those aspects of the business. No, and how yes, it- me. No, there, there was not <laughs> HR function. Um, and uh, the guy who uh, runs our business now, Arjan, he'd get a laugh about this because I hired him, but everybody else, you know, was questionable. I'm not a great HR person, but I, I can set a cultural tone. Uh, we have HR uh, people now, and, uh, you know, there's different, they use, they're sneaky, right? HR people, they use different terms like people <laughs> managers or directors or of culture. Compl- yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, the good HR people who, who uh, we've all met, uh, there are some, um, they understand their job is to make sure that the people are connected, engaged, and just working properly very much. You know, like an engineer would look at a at a machine how it functions because it, if they're not, it's not necessarily lever pulling, but if they're not working like clockwork, right? How much of any does uh, the marketing arm connect with the HR recruiting arm in the company, or is that something that doesn't happen? No, I mean again, um, pre acquisition, that was a major thing we were looking at doing is making sure that. And the HR head of HR uh, currently um, within our this is still a separate business within ABI. Uh, that's the mandate is to make sure that um, that the, the cultural fit is like not just cookie cutter either. It's more like a, how can we constantly improve and and understand like our our main product is momentum. It sounds cheesy, but like we want to make sure we're doing something ones to watch type thing. And that doesn't mean we're always distracted, but we're always moving forward. So you can't have an HR department or a head or anyone there that doesn't want people who want to move forward so you know it's, it's it's very much part of that mix so you're going from you know being being big to being much larger right under the umbrella a big umbrella the ab umbrella um does that change like motivation and purpose i mean do does that does, because when you're kind of like a challenger cult brand that's much different than being you know almost like king of the mountain does that what is it do you think that's going to make a difference with regard to mindsets and going out and being innovative or do you think that again is just going to be able to fuel it well literally at the at the post acquisition like the announcements i think what we're doing is we're actually looking how we acquired quote unquote i'm using air quotes here microphone people uh, people into our mentality or psychology the people who already exist in this business right so we have to make sure they understand that although we're you know you know standalone within we're you know, business as usual that this bigger parent company understands again like like Kyle would have said like why we work so we had to kind of adopt people or attract people moreover in terms of like our cultural differences and our and our, our so I, I don't think there's anyone in our business could be like yeah we're now with the big guys and and, and so now, now we act big but it is kind of like having a big brother or 200,000 of them behind you at times you know you, but you can also get lost within that so the job is to stay unique and differentiated and strong and you know I, i'm the fifth of six um so my job is i'm used to being kind of like you know able to hide <laughs> you know but um make yourself overt and make your cultural values clear as well so it sounds like you're going to be expanding at least into the u.s in the near term i assume worldwide at some point there are obviously challenges uh new challenges in terms of talent and culture and growing that into a new market americans are different in many ways than your canadian employees um, is there a plan around growth and, and bringing Americans employees into the culture and how, to, how best to do that? Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, America, USA is like the biggest market, you know, in the world and the best uh, and, uh, well, <laughs> it's very, it's a very good one. We're, but, um, and so you, you need to, you can't walk into any market and assume that something works in, in your home market's going to work the exact same way as the other one. Um, and also uh, we have a different 
we're not first mover in our, our main product is not in this market. So uh, we'd have to. And I was in New York last week, and the the senior level people there, and also everyone I met in the industry, are, are, they've all been very supportive. Uh, our hope is on the human level is to make sure people understand. As people understand, obviously, country dynamics and, and market dynamics, but we want to make sure people understand what culturally we do differently. And it's it's cool that this business that size. Um, respects that so I guess my obligation is to make sure that uh, I, I kind of make those values like international <laughs> versus Canadian which and they're they, they kind of are they're 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 kind of constant challenger they're ones to watch kind of people and, and so the bar's kind of always moving up and um, on the human side we got to make sure anyone we have internally you know understands that at, at, at a base and loves it at, at an ideal strange brew or slap shot it's not, that's not even a question. You seriously? It's, come on. Although Strange Brew is a Canadian-made movie and Slapshot's an American-made movie, Slapshot's still far superior. Come on. Bare Naked Ladies or Tragically Hip? Well, you know, I'm a fan of both. Uh, that's, that's a tough one, but I'll have to go with uh, Tragically Hip. Celine Dion or Justin Bieber? Uh, that's, can I vote for neither? <laughs> yeah. Paul, great to meet you, man. Nice uh, to meet for you those well. of our listeners who want to know more about you or your company, or your uh, your portfolio of beverages. Where would where can you they send get their them? Drink on? The, the, you know what? The best thing is to follow us on Instagram because that's what all the kids. I mean, the young adults are doing <laughs> these days. Uh, Instagram.com slash neutral vodka n u t r l vodka. And if you can't spell vodka, then you're probably not supposed and to be looking for vodka. You probably had too many. <laughs> exactly. You probably take a break and sit back. But thanks for having me on, guys. Really thanks, appreciate Paul. it. A lot of fun. Thanks, man. We out. We out. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.